Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. We are starting our first episode of 2022. You're getting ready for a new year, new research coming up pretty soon. So before we, we go ahead and get started, let me go and call Brooke Latek. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great, great. Thank you. Hello, Zach. Hello, Pedro. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm great. Okay, thank you very much. Today we, we have a, a special guest here from, from California, Dr. McFarland. Did I say your last name right? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay. So uh, he works here in California at Cal Poly, but I won't ask a lot. I won't say a lot of things right now because he, he's going to explain more about his career, things that he he's doing and how he decided to go to to grad school, how they decide to go to animal science and how he, he ended up in the job that he has today. So Zach, uh, I usually start asking very two simple questions. I, I joke that those are the questions that you can't miss. The The rest, you can just lie and say whatever you want to, but those are the <laughs> two first important questions. So uh, the first two questions is where are you from and what do you do? Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me, Pedro. And I think I can speak for everybody and we're just so thankful for the rain right now. So um, <laughs> I think this is a, a pretty timely discussion today um, just because I, I'm actually indoors today and not doing any research because it is raining. So um, down here in San Luis Obispo, but my name is Zach McFarland. I'm originally from Gridley, California, a small farming community um, north of Sacramento. Uh, those of you from Northern California are probably familiar with that area. It's in Butte County, very close to Chico State, actually. Um, and now I'm currently um, at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, and I'm the beef cattle specialist here. So, Perfect. That's good. So now that, that you mentioned that you you grew up in California, um, little Northern California, uh, were you always involved in cattle? How did you decide to go to uh, animal science degree? How was that decision? Tell us where did where did you go and and how how did you decide to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, both sides of my family, my my father's family and my mother's family. Uh, were involved in the ranching business. Um, my my mom's family uh, had a ranch in Stony Ford, California, uh, that um, unfortunately uh, was sold prior prior to me being born. But uh, we retained our roots in that community, um, and still uh, some of my cousins have um, some an operation up in. Um, that area of California. Uh, but my dad was a ranch manager for um, his entire life. And for me, that was a great opportunity to get involved in beef cattle production and, and understand why. I, I think for me, I was always wanting to understand why we performed certain tasks, why we were doing certain uh, management techniques. Uh, and originally, I think like a lot of students, I thought I wanted to become a veterinarian, particularly a large animal veterinarian. I'm, I know a lot of students um, that I teach currently have a, a very similar um, goal in, in terms of their, their long-term career goals. But 
I was very fortunate to have some great mentors, not only in high school during 4-H and FFA. Um, I grew up raising cattle, uh, steers and heifers, and trying to start my own little herd before moving on to college. Um, but I also had some great mentors in undergrad at the University of Arizona that that led me to uh, being more involved in beef cattle production, because I think originally I wanted to do something different, right? I wanted to be different. I didn't want to do the same old thing. Um, but cattle have uh, beef cattle have always been a part of my roots. And, and so it was really so exciting to learn about the science behind beef cattle production. And that's really what drew me towards a career in, in research and teaching. So I'm very long winded if you can't tell. So (laughs) I apologize in advance. No, no, that's, that's what we are here. We are here to have a nice conversation. And and I always like, it's fun that you're mentioned that you want to understand. And, and I, while we are recording, I usually take notes and everything. And, and I put here, understand why that's, that's what you want to. So, and you briefly mentioned that you went to Arizona state uh, for your bachelor's degree, right? Uh, University of Arizona, actually. University of Arizona. Sorry, that's a big. Mistake. No, you're fine. That's a, our rival, so I I, I got to make sure to. Yes, uh, that, that that's correct. what I say. It's a big mistake. But so why 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 did you decide to move out of out of California? Why did you decide to go there? And just you can even mention why you decided to not go into a vet school and changing it to a grad school. Yeah, absolutely. So. At least for me, um, I really wanted to get a, uh, far away from home. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I wanted to I wanted to do something different, and and so I kind of focused a lot of my ap- uh, applications for my undergrad um, out of state. So um, for whatever reason, I kind of I applied to a couple different extremes: um, Montana State University versus University of Arizona, and. You know, for me, you know, about as exact opposite as you can be um, in terms of, of climate. Um, but I really wanted to try something different and and particularly for animal science and, and beef cattle production, for that matter. I think that's one of the things that really drove me towards a, the career that I have is understanding beef cattle production in multiple different uh, environments and production systems you know, the way we raise cattle throughout California is drastically different and highly variable based on what region of the country or, or excuse me, region of the state that you're located in. Um, and for that matter, you know, Arizona's incredibly different. Um, and, and then when I went to Tennessee, totally different environment that. Uh, so for me, it was about changing my environment and getting out of my comfort zone. Um, and fortunately for me, I do have family, uh, in Arizona that I was able to, to rely on, um, being out of state. So it was a great experience to, to try to have a completely different, um, experience, student experience, I guess. I don't know how else to describe that. Um, but when I got to school there, I, I threw myself into all different um, organizations. I was on the rodeo team. Um, I was in the Collegiate Cattle Growers Association. I was uh, on the leadership team. 
And it wasn't until I started getting involved with some of the great faculty um, that have now either passed on or moved on to different careers. Um, Dr. Roy Axe, when he was at Arizona, he, he took me under his wing. Um, uh, the Marcellos, um, Dr. Elaine and, and John Marcello took me under their wing as well and exposed me to research um, and particularly beef cattle research. And that was my first glimpse into, hey, maybe vet school is not the appropriate career path for me because, you know, it took me a while uh, to realize that probably until my senior year um, before I realized, hey, vet school is sure it can be an option, um, but it wasn't necessarily the the right option for me. I, I actually decided to, um, again, I wanted to push my comfort zone. I, I did an internship um, with the Radakovich Cattle Company in Iowa, um, and that was a great experience. And they actually sent me um, to one of their veterinarians to start learning um, kind of the ins and outs of veterinary practice in a large animal setting. Um, and Iowa was a great um, opportunity for that. And that was my first exposure to the swine industry. And so I even decided, hey, maybe I'll, I took about a year working in the swine industry to realize, wow, this is definitely not my passion. Um, beef cattle production called me home. And, and so um, I, I talked to my mentors at Arizona and they were able to help me uh, pursue a master's degree. Um, so um, more focused on uh, meat science and um, animal nutrition. Uh, but that, that for me was kind of a shift in gears. It, it was a great experience, but I realized that grazing cattle um, and the cow-calf sector were really what I cared the most about as opposed to um, my, my focus was on cold cows, um, and, and more on, um, the food safety meat science side of, of animal science. And so it, it was a complete shift for me when I, I transitioned to my PhD. Wow. That, that's pretty cool. So let me, let me go back a little bit. So you, you took a year break working in Iowa in the swine industry. Is that, yep. uh, <laughs> yep. that oh, that's, that's nice. How, how, how was that? And how, how was deciding? Because I also took a, a kind of a break between finishing school and starting a master's. And, and like a lot of people said that I was crazy to go back to school and everything. So I just want percent. <laughs> yeah, I just want to hear, but, but I think was, really good for me that when I came back to school, I was much mature and, and I could absorb things better because. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, Pedro, that was the experience for me too. I, you know, that year uh, there was a lot of growth. There was uh, particularly in the maturity, um, but the motivation level, once I took that break, I think was, the reason why I continued because okay. I still, you know, a lot of people said the same thing to me, like, why would you start <laughs> making money and then go back to school? And I was very fortunate that I, I, you know, I had a graduate assistantship. I had, um, got a lot of teaching experience. Um, 
while I was a master's student. Um, and I, I involved myself in all a bunch of different labs. Um, so I was able to gain experience in different areas to really find out what exactly I wanted to do. Um, I did some work on the molecular side and realized, hey, that's probably not for me. I think there's a lot of value. Um, but I'm definitely more of an applied scientist. And so uh, that was a great experience for me. And, and the motivation alone, I think, was critical for me to be successful. Um, nice. that, that year break was just enough. Really, really cool. So, yeah, that's nice. We've, we've covered a little bit now. So you mentioned a little bit your undergrad, the break, going back for a master's. So now... Why Tennessee? Why like you? One thing that I'm I'm taking notes here is that you are always looking to go out of your comfort zone, looking for new experience and stuff like that. And you've done some mid science now. So why why did you decide to go all the way uh, east to t to Tennessee and work with reproduction? Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, part of uh, when I worked with Dr. Faulkner at Arizona, you know, he encouraged me a lot to, he said, you know, there are so many more experiences that you can get. And, you know, because in many ways, I could have easily stayed at Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that would have been the biggest mistake of my life. And I think, you know, for me, just changing my environment entirely <laughs> You know, I, I applied, I went to NCBA, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention, and um, I think it was, I went every year <laughs> as a grad, <laughs> as an undergrad and grad student, I tried whatever I could to get there. And tr truthfully, that was what got me to where I am today is that constant pursuit of networking opportunities. Um, and so when I was at NCBA, uh, I was running the booth for, for the University of Arizona as a student, uh, meeting new people. And I just kind of shopped around, you know, a lot of the large schools were there, larger schools um, in the southeast in particular. You know, I started talking to um, Auburn University, University of Tennessee, um, University of Arkansas, Texas A&M University, Kansas State University, trying to find the right program for me, uh, because one of the things that, um, you know, I was taught from my mentors is you go to, a, you go and work for a person, right? You have to find the right person. It's not so much about um, the university itself um, or the specific animal science program. And so I was very fortunate to meet um, Dr. Neil Schrick, the department head at University of Tennessee, And he, he took me to breakfast and he said, hey, I want to introduce you to um, a couple faculty at, at Tennessee, all focused on beef cattle production, whether that's nutrition, reproduction. Uh, I got to meet quite a few people, um, one of those being my, my future mentor, Dr. Travis Molinex. Um, and he had a project, a five-year project focused on heifer development. And so his research program really... Um, triggered my interest and and we had um, a lot of similar experiences and background um, a lot all of his degrees um, well his master's and PhD were at New Mexico State University and he also worked um, at the research station in Fort Keogh the USDA research station in Fort Keogh Montana um, 
for um, Dr. Mark Peterson. And so it, his experience level and his background and ideas were really a great fit for me. Um, and I knew I wanted to go to the South because I wanted to focus on grazing uh, beef cattle. Um, and, you know, I had the experience growing up in, in the Western United States, but we all know the Southeast in terms of beef cattle production is very different um, in many ways, um, <laughs> frustratingly different for someone that was uh, from California. I, I always joke when I was, I did a lot of extension programming um, and teaching while I was at Tennessee. And uh, <laughs> I always joke that I told people I was from Arizona because the minute they heard I was from California, they immediately <laughs> shut down. I'm like, interesting when we're, you know, one of the largest agriculture state and top five for um, beef production, like interesting that you would um, <laughs> not not favor somebody from California. And so um, we changed that attitude pretty quickly. At least I hope so. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it, it, truthfully, that was a huge wake up call for me um, transitioning from the Western United States where we have to be so creative with beef cattle production to a completely different environment where, you know, they have nine months of, of grazing um, and high precipitation levels. And, and so it, it was just a fascinating experience to, to transition from, you know, a drought stricken region to a clear, you know, a state where their most historic drought um, was when I first arrived, you know, they didn't receive, I, I can't remember exactly. It was like 85 days without rain. I'm like, wow, <laughs> just another day in the office in, in California. But, yes. you know, for them, it was a, a drastic, um, you know, reduction in precipitation levels. So anyway, long story short, I, I, it was a great way for me to learn about beef cattle production in an entirely different environment and an entirely different production system than what I was used to. So again, the theme, like you said earlier, Pedro, trying to get me out of my comfort zone, get myself out of my comfort zone. Good. So, and one thing that I missed while I was like, so you, you decided that we're, you are not going uh, to a vet school. You've mentioned that you always want to understand the why, but why did you decide to do a master's and PhD? Was there any reason? Instead, yeah. yeah, instead of vet school. Yeah, um, and, like, and you knew that you, like you did that thinking that you would be a professor in the future or you just following the the flow and, and going? Like, <laughs> I think it was a little bit of both. I, you yeah. know, I originally, when I started my master's, I'm like, great, this will be great for my vet school application. And then, you know, within the first month, mm -hmm. I realized how passionate I was about research and teaching um, and particularly understanding and being a part of finding the solution as opposed to fixing the problem, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I guess it's a different mindset. And, uh, you know, for me personally, that was the difference is I wanted to be involved in research and not that you can't be as a veterinarian. That's certainly not true. 
um, be you can be involved in research. But for me personally, I wanted to lead research. I wanted to do research that wasn't focused on animal health, but was more focused on grazing management, rangeland management, the interaction between nutrition and reproduction is so fascinating to me. And, and so that's really what changed my perspective on whether to uh, transition to vet school or to a PhD program. Um, and fortunately, I have, like I talked about before, the mentorship during my undergrad and, and then transitioning to my master's is what really led me down that path. Um, and I knew in my first month of my master's, like I definitely wanna continue on. I want to um, become um, a professor someday. Um, I Originally, I wanted to do research and extension. Um, and fortunately for me, I'm able to be engaged in research, t uh, teaching and outreach at Cal Poly. So it's a great uh, fit for all of my interests. Great, great. Yeah, just because and, and just keep so we can keep moving on how and you just mentioned that how was how was deciding to come back? How was that decision? Uh, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, where to, you Californ like, yeah. to California. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I get asked this a lot um, <laughs> from just friends and family like you were you got out, you know what? Well, it made yeah. you come back and, um, you know, California has always been home, but, you know, it wasn't about being home for me personally. Um, I had some really great job offers from other institutions that it was really hard for me to turn down. Um, and but the moment I stepped foot on on campus at Cal Poly, a lot of my family went to Cal Poly. I was the. Um, ugly duckling that did not go to Cal Poly um, or, or stay in California for that matter. But the facilities alone here and the, the beef cattle, um, the, uh, the potential was what really drew me to Cal Poly. The facilities are great. We have a, a brand new, well, fairly brand new meat processing center, animal nutrition center, um, the, the Cal Poly Bull Test that I, I advise um, as part of my position. There was so much potential for me to build a program. That is what drew me back to California. Um, of course, having my family a lot closer now than I was, um, was a draw for me, but it was not the, the final draw. Um, if anything, that was not even included in my decision. Um, and teaching... I found um, was my true passion because, you know, the, the role that you can play as a mentor and, and Pedro, I'm sure you feel the same way, mentoring graduate and undergraduate students, you know, there's, there's nothing so cool than seeing their success, you know, like I would rather them receive all the accolades in the world. Um, that's what's so rewarding about this position. Mm -hmm. Um, and working in academia with all its frustrations, it's also very rewarding <laughs> and we won't even get into the frustrations today. <laughs> no, no, Maybe but, that's a under the radar podcast. We have, we might have to go. Uh... <laughs> no, but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, when you, when you can get somebody and 
And you you have mentioned that a lot about your own mentors. Uh, so like we have the gratitude from like for them, and because they Absolutely. were they they help building us and everything. So when we are on the other side of the table, it's it's very interesting. It's very rewarding, I would say, when you see somebody that you help growing and finding a job or doing something else impactful. Absolutely. And, so, and I, I think you're right. The mentorship of, you know, it's almost paying it forward. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So tell, tell us more about like what, what, what is your job on a daily basis? What do you do? Uh, maybe what your what is the favorite thing that you that you have in your job? You already mentioned probably some of them. It's like mentoring students. And one thing that I always like to ask is, you you are also a young faculty. So what are, what are the things that you didn't learn in grad school that you learned after you you start your work? Yeah, uh, that's a <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, Yeah, so day to day, um, I teach, the majority of my teaching appointment is focused on uh, beef cattle production courses. So I teach an introductory course, uh, as well as an advanced beef production course. Um, I also teach our principles of animal science, which is our, um, typically our freshman class um, uh, in the fall quarter. Um, And I also run the bull test enterprise. So the Cal Poly bull test, um, we have bulls brought in uh, generally the first of May, and then they stay um, all the way through the summer until our annual sale the first Sunday of October. Um, and we just celebrated our 65th anniversary uh, this year in 2021. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's a great that is probably one of the best opportunities for me as a faculty member to be engaged in teaching, of course, uh, because I have um, students that run the bull test. So I have mm -hmm. student managers, um, I have student feeders. So they're, they're uh, staying all summer long and feeding. Uh, we generally have about um, 120 to 150 bulls. Um, from all over the state of California. So there's the teaching side and I'm building my research program around bull management and development. So very different than what I did uh, for my PhD with heifer development, but it kind of in a similar way, thinking about the influence of nutrition uh, and its link to fertility, uh, but now on the male side. Um, and so very, again, way out of my comfort zone, but um, it's been a, a really cool experience to get students involved, um, not only in just animal husbandry and management, but also on the research side of things as well. Um, and then, of course, there's the outreach element, um, engaging with not only the bull breeders that bring um, bulls down to Cal Poly, but also, of course, uh, the bull buyers that uh, we have a really great um, support system um, here at, on the, the Central Coast. So uh, that's kind of what my year looks like. Um, I currently have three graduate students because I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I probably shouldn't <laughs> put that in there. <laughs> But um, no, I, I've been very fortunate to have really wonderful students. And that's what I really love about my position 
is that Cal Poly is not an R1, right? We're not primarily focused on research. Um, so I can tailor my research program to be a lot more focused um, and to and to also engage undergraduate students more so than I probably would if I was at um, a land grant institution. Um, and that's just from my own personal experience when I was a, a graduate student, you know, we tried to get undergraduates engaged, um, but it was very minimal. And so now it's it's really cool to be able to find a, students that are freshmen or freshmen or sophomores, and then I have them for their entire um, undergraduate career training them. Um, and then once they uh, some of them go to vet school, I've sent a lot of students all over the country for master's programs, and that is the coolest thing about my job is seeing my students success far after they leave Cal Poly. And then they, they'll give me a call and say, Hey, I just, uh, I have a student at, with my old boss at Nebraska. Um, and, uh, she said, Hey, I just milked 250 beef cows. I'm like, <laughs> yep, been there, done that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad that it's you and not me. And I, you know, I <laughs> have another student that, um, is now pursuing her PhD. Um, so it's just the coolest thing ever uh, to see that mentorship is what I really love about our job. Um, but I hope that answers that question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Got a little tangential there, but. No, that that you did. Uh, one one thing that I, I'm curious to know also, uh, and it's just, and, and, what is the thing that you learned after you started your job that you didn't know? Yeah. Yes, I forgot that part. Yeah, so I transitioned directly from my PhD um, mm -hmm. into um, a position which, you know, we're fortunate to be able to do in our field. Um, in my mm -hmm. experience, you know, I have a lot of friends that are also new faculty. And, and so I learned very early on, um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, don't be afraid to ask for advice and don't be afraid to look stupid. Right. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, that I learned that during my PhD, um, my mentor helped me a lot with that because, you know, I think we all struggle with sometimes with confidence or you struggle, um, especially when you first begin, you're like, wow, I am not prepared um, for a lot of the administrative roles. Um, I'm not prepared to manage people. Um, I think that was what I struggled with is managing um, students as well as, um, you know, in, in a managerial capacity, you don't really learn that. Um, and I was very fortunate to have great mentors, both at Cal Poly as well as outside of Cal Poly that gave me advice. And, you know, it's a lot, a lot of long hours and uh, during your first year, um, especially, um, but I think that's what I, I would recommend to a lot of people is don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for guidance because it's only hurting you in the long run. Um, and don't be afraid to look stupid or feel stupid at times, right? And I hate that word, right? Yeah. Why, why do we ever feel that asking a question would make you sound dumb or sound stupid. And I try to get my students out of that mindset within the first day, you know, during syllabus week, 
Mike, yeah. please don't ever feel afraid to ask me a question, to ask for support, for guidance, no matter what level you are, right? Whether mm -hmm. you're an undergrad, whether you're a new faculty member, whether you're uh, a graduate student, it holds you back if you have that fear of looking dumb in front of other people or looking like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And um, I think that's the mindset is where you really have to focus in your first year, especially that transition from graduate student to now a professional. Um, you have to be willing um, to seek advice and get out of this mindset uh, of an imposter syndrome, right? We talk a lot about that in academia, mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. And, and I think it's valuable to not know what you're doing, right? You yes. know, and, and learn on the job and, and <laughs> everybody's <laughs> going to hate me for this, but learn by doing, right? That's the Cal Poly yeah. motto. And as <laughs> cliche as it sounds, I mean, that's <laughs> how I was able to, to um, keep going is learn on the job and don't be afraid to make mistakes. And so that is number one to me. What I try to train all of my students is do not be afraid to make mistakes. Um, that's life. And yes, it can be frustrating. Um, it can be a problem for re in research, but we have to know that as mentors that our students are our staff, whatever, um, are going to make mistakes and we have to plan for that. So anyway, no, that, uh, that would be my advice. That's a good, that's a good one for any, not only like starting, like you, you mentioned that any stage of your life is, and it's, it's important is also like, don't be afraid of to do any mistake, but it's important that you do some mistakes that you like. You uh, learn absolutely. It, like, yeah, I, I, Totally agree with you, and I'm glad that you brought that up. I, I put a lot of points here, and you mentioned how important they were for you. Like I put, you started mentioned the understanding why. You've mentioned how important were your mentors. So we always ask people to look for mentors. You are always trying to get uh, out of your comfort zone. That's another important thing that I put down here, and. You mentioned the importance of the network and knowing people and meeting people. And now you just finish up saying, like, don't be afraid of doing stuff. I think those are very, very good points that we have covered here. Uh, Brooke, do you have any questions before we move to the, the final questions? I don't have any questions. Okay, that's good. So, Zach, and uh, one other thing that I, I did mention pretty quick, you mentioned about your boot test. We're going to have another episode just to talk about this. So you can tell us all of the history, what you what you are doing right now. I saw some of your students presenting uh, some posters, really cool research. And I hope we can touch more on that in, a, in the next episode. Uh, so now it's like we we like to ask more personal questions. We just yeah. <laughs> let you know you as a, as a, as a professional, as a, uh, uh, animal scientist as a professor. So now I like to just ask, ask questions that are uh, sometimes I say short answers, but they never short answer questions. Like we always ended up in, in asking more questions. So the first one, uh, what is what is your favorite food? You are muted. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Good old Zoom. Um, 
I mean, as cliche as it sounds, I mean, uh, you can never go wrong with a ribeye steak, right? Okay. Um, beef. <laughs> um, but I'm a huge fan of uh, meat and potatoes in general. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's a good one. I mean, I, I will always say that beef is always a good choice. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> what is what is uh, the type of the song that you usually plays in your radio? What is your favorite genre of song? Yeah, um, I would say uh, Texas country, red dirt music. So a lot of... Um, I've been listening to Cody Jinks a lot lately. Um, I, I think there's a lot of really cool artists that kind of fly under the radar um, that are not necessarily mainstream country, I guess. Cool. Uh, one one question that I actually I asked the first time in our last uh, episode uh, in our episode from last month: What is the coolest place that you have ever visited? Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, I love Scotland. Uh, I love Scotland a lot. Uh, so one of my favorite cities in the world is Edinburgh, um, Scotland, and I'm hoping to go back this summer uh, for a visit. So my wife and I, <laughs> I'd like to take her. That's cool. That's good. So now, uh, what is something that you would like to know? Back in the day, when you were starting school, that that you know today, what is something that you know today that you you would like to know when you were starting school? That somebody would come to you and say, "Hey, Zach, that's an advice that I'm going to give you uh, that you're going to take for life." Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, jokingly, <laughs> I have a I have a real answer, but um, <laughs> chemistry is. Uh, not going to determine the course of your, your career, uh, doing <laughs> <laughs> your grade in chemistry. So um, I, I certainly struggle with that. But I think the advice that I received um, very early on is um, network as much as possible. And um, a lot of people will get frustrated with me for saying this, but um, my old mentor, uh, Travis Molinex, he used to tell me, don't let school get in the way of your education. And so um, the, what I mean by that as a clarification um, is be willing to do a lot of those extracurricular activities, um, you know, be willing to, to get out of your comfort zone and, and meet new people and learn new things, um, you know, be in class, study hard, uh, but also take every opportunity Uh, to get those experiences while you can. So great. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay. So now the last thing uh, I have to thank you very much was very, very nice. I hope people who are listening to us can uh, learn and enjoy as much as I did. I hope your, your students get to listen and, and, and make fun of you as you <laughs> Uh, oh so, yeah, you can't can't take yourself too seriously, right? Yeah. So yeah, this. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. This so, was but been I have fun. One, one one last uh, we call the cattle call top tip. I usually ask that is: Do you have any book, any movie, any paper, research paper that you like to recommend that so our listeners can go and and read and take that uh, as an advice as well? Ooh. That's we, we, it. 
Yeah, we've had people saying like books. We've had people saying uh, documentary. Like we've had people saying research papers. Uh, if if you, if your students is listen to it, what 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 like what would you recommend them then read? And and, yeah, and, uh, and when I say books, it doesn't like we've had books from related to cattle and personal life books. Doesn't doesn't really matter. <laughs> or a podcast or something else. It it can also be that. Yeah, um, I honestly, there are so many. <laughs> that's part of that's part of my problem. Um, I'm I try to constantly learn. So I, I love podcasts. Um, I love TED talks. Mm -hmm. um, I think th there are so many great TED talks out there, um, and there are a lot of great podcasts, both related to beef cattle production and and mindset. Um, I think there's a lot of um, anything related to changing your mindset. And I think that re relates back to beef cattle production a lot, right? Especially in this state, you know, management has to be flexible, especially in a drought scenario, you know, you have to think outside the box. And so I think if you constantly finding new material that maybe, uh, or new ways of thinking that might not even be related to beef cattle production, mm -hmm. um, that was always my advice from, from my mentors is go and read uh, topics that may not necessarily relate to your research, right? And it, it can um, give you a lot of, of experience um, and a different way of thinking. And so that would be my advice is it maybe not necessarily something specific, um, but I, I think, you know, getting, uh, changing your outlook, changing your mindset, um, thinking outside the box, um, that's the way moving forward, I think, uh, beef cattle production needs to go is, is really thinking about um, what out-of-the-box solutions can we uh, find that can improve uh, beef cattle production in, in all different uh, facets of, of production. So, that's great. Yeah, you are yeah. not losing your time or do it by learning something different. That's that's right. Yeah. And uh, don't be, I also think it's important to, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, that, that research paper is from 1980. I'm like, well, <laughs> there's still a lot of value. Uh, you know, a lot of the greatest research and the, um, you know, setting the groundwork and the foundation for what you and I are doing, Pedro, yes. is, is some of the work from the leading scientists from the 70s, the 80s. Um, and so I think there's value in learning from the past too. Um, so I know that sounds really <laughs> like sensei, but whatever. <laughs> well, it, and it is, uh, there are some memes online, like in the internet that you say, oh, I had a great idea. Then a, a guy from 1985, yeah. I just yeah. had the same idea that you had today. And like they did the same research. Exactly. Uh, I, yeah. But that's good. So Zach, Thank you very much once again for uh, accepting our invitation, for being here today. Uh, it's been really, really cool. Uh, last but not least, how can our listeners follow your work, find about your work and, and maybe your program? Do you guys have a website, uh, your email or something? If somebody yeah. wants to contact you, is there any way? So, yeah, so I started... Um... During COVID, uh, the the pandemic, actually, I I had a student help me because we were trying to figure out how to teach online, right? How do you uh -huh. teach beef cattle production online? Still haven't figured it out. 
Um, but you know, one of the things I, I tried to do was develop a, a YouTube channel. Um, a lot of it's very basic and focused on uh, more uh, from a teaching standpoint for um, beef production students. But I'm, I'm starting to also develop um, more research and outreach focused uh, material as well uh, moving forward. So um, the Cal Poly Bull Test and Beef Program YouTube channel. Um, I also feel free to reach out to me via email um, and uh, I'd be happy to provide that to you, um, Pedro. And, and please feel free to to let um, listeners in on that. I, <laughs> I can spell it out if you want me to, but I, uh, I will, I will leave in the description of the episode, your YouTube channel, as well as uh, your email. If somebody has any questions, they can. Yeah. Them. And I try to stay active on ResearchGate, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> um, to be very honest with you, I rely on my students uh, for, we have a Cal Poly Bull Test and Beef Program Facebook page as well. And, Fortunately for me, as much as I hate social media, my <laughs> students are so excellent at it. Um, and it's a great experience for them to engage um, with producers and with uh, just uh, anyone, really. Um, and that the follow, follow those along, too, because they do a great job. And I try to guide them. But if anything, they guide me. <laughs> so yeah. I guess that's the goal anyway. OK, no, that's great. So, yeah. So, well, thank you again, Zach, one more time. I don't know if you have any final message, anything else. That's no, it. thank you very much. And uh, we're just praying for more rain. And I'm just yeah. uh, very thankful that uh, to be a part of this. And um, I look forward to our next uh, discussion. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Brooke, do you have any final comments, question? No, that was great. Thank you. Yeah, okay. of course. Thank you. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening to us, if you have any questions, any comments, uh, please send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. All of the information of the episode is going to be in the description uh, of this episode. Remember, we also have a monthly newsletter where we are going to put the transcription of the episode as well, more information. So if you want to subscribe, the link is also in the description of this episode. Thank you very much for listening again. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. The coyotes are howling. We out where the dog is born. Where spurs are a-jingling. A cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.